What good is the church? Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, I think this is a very important question. I'm lucky enough to be part of a church that believes that the church is meant to be a blessing to her neighbors and to the world. We really want to be that kind of church. We're just followers of Jesus who are surprised by his grace and his love for us. So it's our desire to be instruments of that grace and love as we go about our everyday lives. This is our first season of our podcast. It's designed for our church, but we hope it'll be a blessing to others as well. This series of messages lays out the foundations of our sense of where God is leading us as we enter into a new season of ministry. My name's Chad Herb. I'm the senior pastor at First Presbyterian Church of Kingwood. Welcome to the first season of our podcast. It's titled Gathered and Sent. My friends, in the new year, we have gathered in this space and we have heard sermons regarding the vision that our session and Chad and Mark and Roland and I have been working on for several months. And we're ready to share that vision with you in this new year. We've been talking about it and revealing it to you. The vision in part is that we are the gathered church. We are the gathered church. We assemble here, we equip and we encourage one another. We become empowered in the word. And we talked about uh, worship so far. We're going to talk today about discipleship and the next couple of Sundays, we'll move on into discussing missions. And here in the gathered church, we are here together to love God and to love each other. We're here to become biblically literate and to become spiritually formed and that we will grow as disciples, as those who play follow the leader with Jesus, as Beth mentioned. Simultaneously, our vision is to be the sent church. The sent church strives to be a blessing to others. The sent church becomes fluent in the gospel, is mission-minded everywhere we go, not just on a mission trip for a week in a year, but everywhere we go, at school and with our coworkers and in our neighborhood and even in the grocery store. And so we are the gathered church and we are the sent church. And as Christ's church in the world, we proclaim the gospel that we will be disciples making more disciples. In our sermons so far in 2020, we've touched on how the gathered church and the sent church are woven. We are dependent upon each other. And we've discussed how and why we worship. We've talked about how idols can be things that become more important to us than our time spent with God. And as Chad has mentioned, we've purposefully spent a lot of time in 2019 in the Old Testament, building a foundation, understanding why we need Jesus to walk this earth, to come and dwell among us, to be God with skin on. And last week, we transitioned into the red letters. You know, some Bible translations have the red letters where Jesus speaks. We did that because we believe that you are ready. We've been working on this foundation of Old Testament. Now we move into the new and we hear Jesus speak. Jesus speaks to us to leave our idols, to follow him, to love him to place him in greater importance in our lives every day, to hear him over the things we might hear every day in our lives, and to love him 
more than anything else. So today, we're going to move a little deeper into Jesus' words, a little deeper into the red letters in the Bible. And it's gonna be challenging. Moving into discipleship is described for us in the book of Hebrews. That it can be like moving from milk or baby food or formula, something soft, transitioning into then something mature like meat or solid food. And so hearing Jesus speak in those red letters, trusting him, obeying him, all of that comes about as portrayed in Psalm 119. By actively seeking him with our whole hearts, um, treasuring his word in our hearts, meditating on his precepts, and remembering his word. So let's see what the Lord has to say to us today. The passage is from the gospel according to Matthew, it's chapter four, verses 18 through 22. I'll be reading it from the NIV. Please feel free to read along on the screens, in your Bible, and even if you bring out your smartphone, I trust you're not texting, don't worry about it. So let's prayerfully and earnestly consider Jesus' call on our lives. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his strong word. Will you please bow your heads with me as we pray? Oh mighty God, we pray that you indeed will write your word upon our hearts that we will learn your word, that we will know it, and by that we will know you even deeper. Open the eyes and the ears of our hearts to hear today's lesson. Speak through me the words you would have us learn. In Jesus' strong and powerful name we pray, amen. So last Sunday, we learned about who will be in the Super Bowl. I bet you thought I was gonna say last Sunday we learned something theological. And we did, and I will get to that, trust me. You know that I geek out on this. So last Sunday we learned that the San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs are the teams who will now advance to the Super Bowl. And they will be in the Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, Florida. And about 65,000 people will make the trek to Mecca. They will dress in their favorite team's colors and jerseys, and they will sit in the stands, and they will observe a total of 92 active players jogging out from their locker rooms and taking their places on the sidelines. And throughout the game, 11 men from each team will be pounding their opponent and striving for the goal line. And the spectators in the stands, dressed in their gear, will watch. 
And in that moment, it's gonna be really loud and really exciting. And it's gonna be really fun for them for a while. And how many, many more spectators will gather to watch at Super Bowl parties. I know some folks are just there for the commercials. But some more people will gather in sports bars and more people will gather in homes and at various places all across the US and even around the world. This is the United States' largest sports endeavor. Fans will watch. Fans who didn't have to lift weights, fans who didn't have to memorize plays and routes, fans who didn't have to abide by a specific nutritional plan, spectators who don't face injuries. They'll watch. Fans will watch while someone else is in the game, earning that Super Bowl ring and those financial bonuses and that Lombardi trophy. Spectators in the stands. And they'll return home to their everyday lives. They may experience a mountain high if their team wins or a valley low if their team loses. But win or lose, come Monday morning, they'll return to life as it was, unchanged in their very being. Now, I wanna have a heart-to-heart -heart with you as much as we can do that with you in the pew and me up here. I'm a relational person. I'd really rather come give you a hug and talk. But for the purposes of a sermon, we'll do it this way. I want you to know that in just the short four months that I've been here, I've come to love you. I've come to care for you. You share your excitement and your joys with me to celebrate. And you have let me walk along your side in times that are tough and sad. You eat with me, you pray with me, you let me study in your groups. You have received my counsel and you have shaped me. And in this short time, this relationship that God is putting on my heart makes me want so much more for you in blessings than merely being fans of God's word or spectators in worship, returning to life as it was come Monday morning. I want that for you, and, and I don't say it lightly. I know it's hard sometimes to hear, but I want far more for you than to sit in the stands or the pews. I want more for you, not just because it's in my job description, discipleship and spiritual formation. I want more for you because I know what it means. I want you to have that kind of fulfillment. I want you to have that kind of healing work. God has done a healing work in my heart to teach me that I really am forgiven. It helps me then to be more forgiving. God has done work in my marriage. God has done work in my children and in my friends. God has even done work in my enemies because of time spent in discipleship with him. A disciple is, first and foremost, a follower of Jesus, just like Beth described in Follow the Leader. A follower of Jesus. And discipleship is to actively follow him 
and learn from him. So my prayer for each and every one of you is that discipleship will grow in your life, that it will take more and more precedence in your life. You see, to write God's holy word on your heart helps in so many ways. When you have a tough decision to make, if you've spent time in discipleship, the very author of life will show you the way to go. If you have one of those nights where you wake up in the middle of the night, bolt upright, the Holy Spirit will fill your mouth with the words of scripture that you've been studying and you'll go to Jesus first. When there's a family member or a friend or a coworker that really needs a word of encouragement, you will have scripture to go to. You'll have something to say to them that gives them hope, that helps them through a tough time, that gives them peace. And most of all, you will be blessed. You'll be blessed to be a blessing to others. And if you've been with us from the summer and the fall, you know that being blessed to be a blessing reaches all the way back in scripture to Genesis 12 with Abraham and Sarah. It's the call that is on all of our lives. And so today in this passage in Matthew, Jesus calls us. He sees us, he knows us, and he calls us by saying, come, follow me. This is the beginning of discipleship. That we respond to him, that we follow him, for he is calling. He is inviting us to have a deeper relationship with him. And by taking action, by responding to him, well, this is more than just acknowledging who he is. It's taking action to get up out of the stands and into the game, to move from the pew to participant, to transition from milk to meat. So in good Presbyterian fashion, I'll point out three things for you to notice. Look at the imperative in verse 19. First, I want you to notice how Jesus says, come follow me. He doesn't ask, hey, would you like to follow me? And he never threatens us, follow me or else. And he doesn't plead, will you please follow me, please? In my imagination, I hear him saying, come, follow me in such a passionate way, such an attractive way such a loving way that these disciples could not possibly resist him. These fishermen got up immediately. The second way I want you to notice is what he does not say. Jesus does not qualify the imperative by saying, come follow me if, if you are worthy, if you've already been in scripture, if you are wealthy, poor, old, young, beautiful, handsome, fill in the blank. Jesus simply calls to come. The third way I want you to notice about how he speaks here is that Jesus does not put a time element on the imperative. Jesus does not say, come follow me tomorrow. Come follow me next week. Follow me after you get that project done 
Follow me when you have time. Jesus calls us today at the moment that we read his invitation. He calls us. And who knows what the future may hold? Why would we postpone answering him for the greatest adventure of our entire lives? Now, unlike our Super Bowl fans who go back to their ordinary lives come Monday after that Super Bowl Mecca trip, look at verse 20 and verse 22. When Peter and Andrew and James and John respond to Jesus' call, scripture tells us that immediately they got up. They left their professions. They left their income. They left their family. And their lives were never the same again. And praise God for that. Dietrich Bonhoeffer noted that Jesus' call to follow me The call to discipleship came at a pretty high cost for these guys. And he goes on to write that it is only in surrendering ourselves to Jesus' call that we can know our greatest joy. That is what is so provocative about Jesus' invitation. He initiates, he offers, and it is up to us to receive. It's when we take action to respond to him and to soak in his word that we become followers. Until then, we belong to ourselves or to our family or to our job or no one. It's when we actively respond to Jesus that we belong to our shepherd. Our shepherd who knows our name and our shepherd whose voice we know. In our passage, Andrew and Peter and James and John hear Jesus calling and they act on it and they're willing to take a risk to embark on a lifelong adventure. These four are willing to become fishers of men. And Jesus will go on to teach the 12 disciples a whole new way of life and due to their faithfulness, the gospel today is preached around the world. When Jesus called his 12 apostles, he wasn't just looking for converts or for yes men. He was looking for those who would put allegiance to him first, to the gospel. He wasn't just looking for believers. He was looking on people's hearts for disciples. It's interesting to note, and you know I'm gonna geek out, right? It's interesting to note in the Greek, the word believer, The word Christian in all of the New Testament only shows up two, maybe three times. But the word disciple shows up over 20 times just in these four books that are gospels according to Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. We were meant for this. We were intended to be Jesus followers. So why don't we jump out of the pew at once or immediately? What do we need to let go in order to be disciples? Is it having control over our time? Is it fear of being vulnerable? Do we let Satan speak shame or guilt on us 
that we're not already there? Is it the burden of one more thing? Well, I have good news for you. Jesus calls us, knowing all of that about us, and he still wants us. He still says, come. And that's all we have to do, just as we are. He met these fishermen just as they were, on the job, and he called to them. None of them tried out for this, and nobody interviewed for this. But he met them right where they are, and so he meets us right where we are. Like these Super Bowl fans that'll go back to regular life come that Monday morning, they'll settle for daily routine until the next game starts in August. Why do we settle for ordinary life? Jesus calls us and he wants us to give our God-given talents and our abilities to learn more about him, to enter into extraordinary life with him. Did the fisherman respond? Ah, no thanks, I've got nets to work on. I've got fish to sell. No, they responded immediately. They didn't settle for ordinary life and neither should we. So I want to ask you something. I want you to try something. It may be a little difficult, but I want you to consider this. Look at the things that you are doing. List them out on a notepad if you need to and evaluate them. Consider, are these things that draw me into a closer relationship with God? And if not, consider dropping one to create an opening for discipleship, an opportunity to put God first. Opportunities abound. If you look at the bulletin on the back, we've made a list for you. And these are just the things I know about. I'm sure there's more. But here are some Sunday school classes. And here are some Bible studies. And I encourage you to look through the whole list. Consider stepping into one hour of time spent with God. Now, some of these have homework, if you geek out like that. Some of them do not, if you would prefer no homework. Some have a video and you can discuss it. Some have a lecture and you don't have to discuss anything. But look through the list, and if there's not something there that meets your time or the things that you want to learn, come see me, we'll start one. Take something like that as a challenge and embark on it. Come see me. I do know a few things about some authors that are reliable. I believe in the authority of scripture and I know a few things not to do. It doesn't even have to be here at the church. It could be in your home. It could be in a coffee shop. We can work on this and we can find ways that you can jump into scripture. Let me even suggest to you, maybe it's five minutes in the morning or afternoon or evening of your day that you have a Bible time or that you have a, a daily devotional. Over time, grow that into 10 minutes. What about this? What if it's one day a week, you spend 45 minutes, 15 minutes in scripture, 15 minutes in prayer, and 15 minutes listening for God to tell you something about that scripture or about that prayer. 
I will tell you, discipleship is most successful when it's made with a commitment in prayer to God and when it's done in community. We know from scripture that Jesus did not call just one fisherman to go fish for people all by himself. Jesus called a community of 12 apostles. And when we gather in community to learn God's word for us, we're encouraging each other onward. We're supporting each other in tough times. And we're celebrating together in joyful times. So please take that into account as you decide how you'll go about following Jesus. Now, to get the most out of your discipleship time, be sure to have a Bible that you like. Do you know what the best translation is? Whichever one you're reading. Whichever translation you have is wonderful. If you don't like the translation, come see me. I know a few things about that. If you don't have a Bible, come see me. Please, don't let that be an obstacle to growing closer to God and having this adventure with him. I guarantee you, if you will spend time with him, it will change your life and in ways that you cannot anticipate. For example, it'll help you to know forgiveness and to know unconditional love. Discipleship can help you to know Jesus more personally and intimately, to trust that he really loves you and he really forgives you. Time spent with him will help you have nourishment spiritually, just like you need nourishment from food. Join me in the adventure. With God's holy word written on your heart, my prayer for you is that you'll see that you have a purpose in this life, that you'll see God has a purpose for you. Because I care for you, I want this for you. I want more for you than just coming and sitting in the pews. So what does all of this have to do with our vision for the church? As we continue in 2020 and we embrace the vision of being a gathered church and being a sent church, we will emphasize the importance of being disciples and of making disciples. And this value unites our congregation as we embark on adventures in Bible study. Take your bulletin home with you. Look at it prayerfully throughout the week and consider opportunities, opportunities to grow closer to God. I encourage you, keep on trying until you find one that speaks to your heart. If you're already involved in a group, if you're already attending a Sunday school class, then this is a fantastic opportunity for your plus one. Invite someone into discipleship with you. Maybe it's someone who wants to know why you even pray for them, or somebody who wants to know why you have joy in struggles. Bring a friend, a neighbor, a coworker into discipleship with you. We have a pretty wonderful staff that I'm getting to know as I work here as well. And I'm getting to know that we have some good Bible leaders and we have some good, um, well-versed teachers. But if we're going to go forward, if we're going to embrace the vision that God has for this church, we need you to be in discipleship. Pray about it, come see me, and ask Jesus 
how you can follow him. Amen. Will you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for writing your word upon our hearts. We thank you for the many opportunities you give us to grow closer to you. And most of all, we thank you that you want to grow closer to us, that you want us to spend that time in word with you. We thank you for providing us such a sweet and wonderful savior who would teach us. And we thank you for filling us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. You can find us online at www.fpc-kingwood.org. Our services are available on our website. You can also follow us on Facebook and find us on Instagram at fpc underscore kingwood. We'll see you next time.